0: Welcome to Broadway Radio's review recap episode for the Broadway premiere of last year's Pulitzer Prize winner for drama, A Strange Loop. My name is Matt All Alright, say it with me now. If you are listening to this on Patreon, it is a standalone episode in your feed. And if you're hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. Last night at the Lyceum Theater, the original Broadway production of Michael R. Jackson's Meta on Meta on Meta musical, A Strange Loop, officially opened. Jackson wrote the book, music, and lyrics, and the show is directed by Stephen Brackett and choreographed by Raja Feather Kelly. The cast is led by newcomer Jaquel Spivey, one of five Broadway debuts in this six-person ensemble. Spivey plays Usher, more on him later, and is joined in the company by six characters known as Thoughts. L. Morgan Lee is thought 1, James Jackson Jr. is 2, John Michael Lyles 3, John Andrew Morrison 4, Jason Veezy is 5, and Antoine Hopper as 6. The show looks to expose the heart and soul of a young artist grappling with desires, identity, and instincts he both loves and loathes. Hellbent on breaking free of his own perception, Usher wrestles with the thoughts in his head brought to life on stage by a hilarious straight-shooting ensemble. Review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 17 reviews as of recording time, with 16 being positive and one being mixed. If you pay attention to things like these, you might be able to guess which one was mixed. But if you are also doing the math at home, you realize that there were no negative reviews as of recording time, and I don't expect that to change. Let's start with the New York Times, where Maya Phillips made the show a critic's pick. She said, quote, when the homophobic, God-fearing, Tyler Perry-loving mother of Usher, the protagonist of the remarkable musical A Strange Loop, describes her son's art, she uses the word radical. She doesn't mean it as a compliment. But A Strange Loop, Michael R. Jackson's Pulitzer Prize-winning meta-musical about a black queer man's self-perception in relation to his art, is radical. And I definitely mean that as a compliment. This musical forgoes the commercial niceties and digestible narratives of many Broadway shows, delivering a story that's searing and soft-hearted, uproarious, and disquieting. Much like the meta nature of the musical itself, Phillips looks to insert herself just a little bit at the end of her review, writing, quote, The tricky task I face as a critic is figuring out how to write about a work whose brilliance has already been noted. The New York Times named the show a critic's pick in 2019, and I wrote briefly about the show's Broadway tryout in Washington, D.C. this fall. It's already won the Pulitzer, and yet it seems as if there is no measure of praise that could be too much. After all, this is a show that allows a black gay man to be vulnerable on stage without dismissing or fetishizing his trauma, desires, and creative ambitions. Now that's some radical theater. Deep Trend for Broadway News wrote, "Quote: As I am writing this, it occurs to me that what Jackson does with the strange loop isn't just write a musical with catchy tunes and clever lyrics. He's also successfully testing the conceit of how the universal is rooted in the specific. In making the lead character a fat black gay man within an industry and larger society that prioritizes and idolizes skinny white bodies, Jackson is making a black gay man an embodiment of the universal." and he's also written one of the best and most groundbreaking new musicals of the Broadway season. A Strange Loop has a circuitous concept. It is about a black gay man named Usher who is writing a musical called A Strange Loop about a black gay man trying to write a musical. Even the ingenious set by Arnolfo Maldonado is actually a successfully smaller series of loops. But the best way to describe A Strange Loop is as a concept musical about self-loathing deep ends review, writing, quote, musical theater tends to paint a portrait of a world that is more beautiful than the one we actually live in, where life is beautiful, the girls are beautiful, even the orchestra is beautiful. With a strange loop, Jackson is showing the unvarnished truth of what it is to be surrounded by self-doubt and then to finally overcome it. Yes, it's still a musical, but here, the songs are the sugar that makes the medicine go down. Naveen Kumar, writing for Variety, said, quote, The new musical by Michael R. Jackson performs a phenomenal feat. It is both a raw and unflinching interrogation of identity in the most furiously entertaining show on Broadway. Juan Michael Porter II in New York Theatre Guide wrote, Wow, I thought to myself as my body leapt to its feet on its own volition to applaud A Strange Loop. This must be how people who saw the first performances of Showboat, Oklahoma, Company, Rent, or Hamilton felt. Though I've witnessed and studied the innovations in each of those musicals, none of them are as revolutionary as what Michael R. Jackson has accomplished with his Pulitzer Prize winning musical now making its Broadway debut. I'll wrap up with Adam Feldman's five out of five star review for Time Out New York, in which he wrote, quote, this wide ranging. Intravaganza, not Extravaganza, Intravaganza, takes a deep dive, often barely coming up for breath into a whirlpool of ambition and frustration as his seeming alter ego struggles to find himself amid traps of sex, race, family, body image, religion, and entertainment. It's screamingly funny and howlingly hurts, and it's unmissable. If you'd like to read more of these and other reviews, we will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World review recaps in the show notes. Also, I've already got my ticket. I bought a damn ticket to this show a while ago. I wasn't missing this one a second time. So that is all that we have for you. If you're listening to this on Patreon, have a wonderful hump day. And if you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will now send you over for the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to today on Broadway for Wednesday, April twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Teaminini,
1: and I'm Tami on a Sunday's Grace Hockey.
0: Hey, Grace, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Matt?
0: Good. It, it feels like things are getting back to normalish, not like <laughs> gestures wildly in the world, but in terms of like Broadway news and stuff. Uh-huh. With all of the openings that we're having, obviously there's a ton of stuff coming from that, but with Looking at the rundown for the schedule today, it's feeling like the before times in terms of this gets announced and this gets announced and this casting and this and this and this. It's feeling like the old days. And I know you weren't here with us on Today on Broadway pre-pandemic. No. But m- most days we would have just a ton of stuff and it is starting to feel like that again. I don't know if that's better or not. Um, in terms of like the world at large, but it is giving us some interesting things to talk about, so I'm looking forward to that. But I do want to remind everybody that you can get all of Broadway Radio's content over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio before you can get it in the regular feed. I am still trudging along doing uh, review recap episodes for every Broadway opening there in Patreon first before they will then become a part of Today on Broadway there. And let's get into the news. And the first news came in the form of a tweet and rather than the tweet being associated with a, a hastily put together notes app, uh, announcement. This had a very nice graphic along with it. And it came from the Oz phone of director John M Chu, mm. who said, <laughs> who said special wicked update. Thank you for all the support these past several months in anticipation of the wicked movie. We have so many exciting things to share, but for now I'm giving you one, Or two, rather. Here's what happened. As we prepared this production over the last year, it became increasingly clear that it would be impossible to wrestle the story of Wicked into a single film. We're put a pen in that. We're coming back to that. Without doing some real damage to it. As we tried to cut songs or trim characters, these decisions began to feel like fatal compromises to the source material that has entertained us all for so many years. So we decided to give ourselves a bigger canvas and make not just one Wicked movie, But two, I had to check the date because I was like, this is April 1st, isn't it? It is not. Mm. With more space, we can tell the story of Wicked as it was meant to be told while bringing even more depth and surprise to the journeys of these beloved characters. Yada, yada, yada. So get ready because Wicked is finally coming to you on successive Christmas holidays beginning December 2024. Uh, Here's the thing, Grace. What's the thing? I I saw Wicked at the Gershwin Theater Less than a month ago, or uh, I guess a a month and a half ago. It was a very tight and well put together two hours and 45 minutes with a 15 to 20 minute intermission.
1: Yeah, they've been doing it for a while.
0: Yeah, they know what they're doing. And it's it's a fairly movie length musical property, especially when you take out that intermission. Mm -hmm. So what in the world are they working with where they need to do two whole... Films, which will be at least yeah. an hour and a half, probably closer to two hours apiece. How many new songs is Steven Schwartz writing for this movie?
1: You know, I think that I think that, you know, if we look at the source material, if John M. Chu sure. is reading the book and he says, there's an animal orgy that's in this and there's not one on stage. And I'm just curious. Oh my like, God, are Grace,
0: we? Grace, hold on. I was taking a drink of water when you just said the words <laughs> animal orgy, and it was everything I could possibly do not to spit all over my four computer monitors in front of me. So thank you for that. I'm sorry. Anyway, but, continue. You know, animal orgy on the movie. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Famously, I read. I, I coaxed my mother into buying me the book at a bookshop when the, when I first got the uh, cast recording, and I was like, Mom, it's the book. It's much like when I asked her to buy me the Frank Vedek and uh, Spring Awakening original source material she was like oh she likes this music she'll like this book uh the script that those two things are not the same uh so I think that this is one of those times when we might be getting more of the content from the the book and and not so much like every single second of the show um it's it's very confusing but again like nothing I'm not putting anything past this entire production because we've waited 10 years plus for the movie and I remember having a conversation uh, what a couple years ago now Um, asking, like, why this had taken so long. And famously, like... Most producers are more inclined to produce a film adaptation of a uh, a show that when the box office numbers dip a little bit, um, as far as like, you know, attendance. And so that's when they're more likely to pounce on a movie adaptation. Obviously, that has happened in recent years a little bit. I'm not trying to speak ill of the production. I just mean that like, that's yeah, when it's they're still choosing. Okay. It's a, oh, of course. It's an incredible production. Of course, it's still doing great. Um, I just mean to say that like, they do it to also reinvigorate uh, the, the franchise, right? So... I think it's it's smart, but obviously the, the repercussions of the fandom has been really comical today. Uh, I don't think that it's serving the way that they wanted it to. It's not, you know, more uh, wicked electric boogaloo. Like, I don't think that people are like, oh, this means more wicked. I think they're a little perturbed. So... Who knows? I mean, famously, if you remember me talking about my mother seeing it when she took me on my 13th birthday to see Shoshana Bean and Megan Hilty, uh, it was my first Broadway show. And we promptly left after Defying Gravity because she thought it was the finale. So maybe she's taking a note from Margaret. Maybe maybe John M. Chu is taking a note.
0: Well, I mean, that's uh, that was going to be my question. Like, So does the first movie end with Defying Gravity when we've had literally almost no legitimate conflict in the entire film. Obviously, like you said, they can restructure things from the book and everything, or does Define Gravity get moved up to, you know, what would be an act break in the first movie? I, it's mm-hmm. it's just really hard to contemplate what exactly this is going to look like. My favorite of the Twitter jokes though was um Wicked Two, Bach to Oz, which yeah. was that was a good one.
1: Um, you didn't like so, mine, Wicked to the Squeakquel.
0: Oh, I didn't see that one. That was, <laughs> I know you love your uh, your mouse and rat movie references, so uh, yeah, that, that's do. actually a chipmunk movie uh, reference. But anyway, I yeah, I, this is just weird. I I love John M Chu. I think I haven't seen a movie that he's done that I didn't think was really good, um, especially when it comes to musical and and fantasy type things. So. Uh, Yeah, sure, but I don't know that this is what anybody wanted. This is not the Hunger Games. This is not, um, you know, Twilight or Harry Potter. I don't know that this needs it. I'm not going to be mad that we have it, but I don't know that this is necessary by any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. All right, speaking of how well or well not Wicked is doing, and I will say with your, your comment about the producers, Wicked has, like, two main producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one of them has wanted to have this movie done for a long time. Mm -hmm. That one also happens to be the former movie exec who... Brought yeah. this to the musical stage. The other one, who is more of a theatrical producer, has fought it tooth and nail. Yeah. Uh, and I have been on the inside of some of these conversations mm-hmm. uh, during my previous line of work. So uh, there's also an internal struggle about when and how this movie gets made. But that's mm-hmm. a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Wicked is still doing well, and we'll talk about that as we get into this week's Broadway grosses. In all, last week, the main stem's 35 shows, including the return of Paradise Square after the COVID delay, saw a 2% or $524-ish $1,000 drop in revenue, despite seeing a 2% or 6,000 person increase in attendance. I think it is fairly safe to assume that all of the comps and openings and press tickets surrounding uh, opening night performances and press previews played at least a decent part part uh, of that equation where we saw a decline in revenue but an increase in attendance over the past week. Fortunately, there were no COVID-related pauses at any of the shows last week. Knock on wood. In total, Broadway played to a combined 84% capacity with only two shows at less than 61% capacity. And there were many, many, many either over 100 or right at like 99, 98%. The Music Man, which was at 99.81% capacity, retained its position at the top of the grosses charts, bringing in $3,464,388, followed by Hamilton at $2.4 million, The Lion King at just over $2 million, Wicked at $1.91 million, still doing pretty well, and Plaza Suite and The Cursed Child effectively tied for fifth place at $1.684 million. The other shows north of one million buckaroos last week include Moulin Rouge!, M J, Beetlejuice, Aladdin, Six, Macbeth, Funny Girl, The Book of Mormon, and Hades Town. And this actually made me really excited. Grace, the show that was next on the list was Tina, and it mm-hmm. brought in. It was within 31 k of seven figures, and that 970 ish thousand dollars was about 95 k more than it had grossed all year. Uh, It's its highest by a lot. And since March 20th, it has raised its gross total incrementally up one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So I'm not sure what's led to that, if it's just increased, you know, tourist traffic and and people that are more likely to see Tina, you know, bridge and tunnel type crowd. Um Mm -hmm coming to the city. I, I'm not sure, but I am I'm very happy for everyone over at the Lunt Fontaine, even though uh, Adrian's not there. I thought that that was a show that was built around an electric performance and everything I've heard for the subsequent Tina's has said that that is still continuing. Mm-hmm. Down at the other end of the scale, despite some very strong reviews, For Colored Girls is still struggling, despite a 15K improvement, up to $144,377. That was followed by The Skin of Our Teeth, which had... Good to mixed reviews. Uh, the other day, at one hundred seventy-five thousand, Hangman was at two hundred fifty-two thousand, and then Paradise Square had two hundred fifty-three thousand three hundred seventy-four dollars in its Broadway return. So things are doing pretty well. It more or less held steady despite all of the comps and and press tickets and all of those things. So I. Think even though Broadway has six houses that are not currently occupied, and still some shows not running full weeks, they're doing about as well as I could have imagined. So, yay!
1: Yeah, yay! I mean, money's money, and we want more money in the theater. Money, no notes. Money, money, money,
0: yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to take a real quick second to talk about our sponsor for this week, Play on Podcasts. This is a podcast that I think all theater lovers will absolutely get a kick out of. They are epic audio adventures that reimagine Shakespeare's timeless tales featuring original music composition and the voices of some of your favorite award-winning actors. Each episode explores one Shakespearean play from Macbeth to A Midsummer Night's Dream in a way that even if you're not the biggest Shakespeare aficionado, you can actually understand. And they're created specifically for the podcast medium by some of America's most exciting playwrights, directors, and composers, and performed by Stage and Screen's Best. Their current selection is an unbelievable San Francisco jazz-infused production of King Lear that stars the literal icon himself, Emmy winner Keith David, as well as Severance star Tramil Tillman, who I still have an interview getting ready to release this week um, Mm -hmm. about this as well as other things, including Severance and Carmen Jones at Classic Stage Company. But you'll hear that very soon. But you can hear Shakespeare like you've never heard it before by subscribing to Play On Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Highly, highly recommend whether you are a Shakespeare nerd like me or not. All right, Grace, let's real quick run through some other news. I know you... Uh, and Ashley talked about some nominations with the Drama League nominations that you talked about on yesterday's show. Um, we have more nominations now, and this time it is coming from the Outer Critics Circle. Real quick, I won't do all of them, obviously, but I'll do the highlights here. Outstanding new Broadway musical, MJ, Mr. Saturday Night, Mrs. Doubtfire, Paradise Square, and Six. Outstanding new Broadway play, Birthday Candles, Clyde's, the Skeleton Crew, The Lehman Trilogy, and The Minutes. Outstanding new off-Broadway musical, Black No More, Harmony, Intimate Apparel, Kimberly Akimbo, Little Girl Blue, outstanding new off-Broadway play, Morning Sun on Sugarland, Prayer for the French Republic, Sanctuary City, and The Chinese Lady. The John Gassner Award, which is presented to a new American play, preferably by a new playwright. Uh, the nominees are Colored Water by Erica Dickerson Dispenza, English by Sanaz Tusi, Selling Kabul by Sylvia Corey. Tambo and Bones by Dave Harris, and Thoughts of a Colored Man by Kenan Scott II. Outstanding revival of a musical, Broadway or Off-Broadway, Assassins, Carolina Change, Company, The Music Man, The Streets of New York. Two of those are by Sondheim. One of them appeared at the Sondheim Theater. I think there's a connection. Outstanding revival of a play, Broadway, or off-Broadway for Colored Girls. How I Learned to Drive, Take Me Out, A Touch of the Poet, Trouble in Mind. Um, I won't go through all of the actors that were nominated because they have all they break down all the categories quite a bit. But there are some great nominations in there, including people that we have talked to on this show recently. But I will shout out in the Outstanding Solo Performance category, uh, Alex Edelman. Uh, yes! Great. You and I were front row foxes for uh, his show, just for us, and it just keeps bouncing around downtown locations where you'll be able to find it at some theater every day of the week for the rest of the summer because it just keeps moving. And because it's been everybody selling wants out. To see it. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: congratulations, Alex Edelman. Hello.
0: Absolutely, he is a big fan and uh, Patreon subscriber at the uh, ten dollar level. Uh, all right, so let's get into some show and casting news. There is a lot, so I'm going to rip-roar through all of this, and we are going to start with the upcoming Broadway revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lessons. We already know that Samuel L. Jackson, the indomitable Danielle Brooks, and John David Washington are going to be in the cast. They're going to be joined by Trey Byers, Ray Fisher, superhero in his own right, Ray Fisher, April Mathis, and the prom star Michael Potts. That show will begin performances at the St. James Theater on September 19th for 16 week engagement year damn right. I'm going to figure out make sure a way to get into that one. Love me some of that. Um, then also, going over to the Majestic Theater, the Phantom of the Opera announced some permanent as well as some temporary updates in their casting. Joining the production as Raul will be Jordan Donica. He is currently getting ready to star in Into the Woods. Um, he will be joining on May 29th as he will be playing a limited engagement as current Raul. Um, my recent guest, John Riddle, will be departing to be a part of Titanic, which I believe you and Ashley discussed on yesterday's show.
1: We sure did.
0: You sure did. And then also um, rejoining the cast after a leave to do an opera will be Marie Johnson as Madame Geary. And then Kenesha Marie uh, Feliciano will be joining um, in an ensemble role, but will be understanding the role of Christine. She is also a woman of color, so it's nice that they are continuing that trend in that role as Hmm. well. Next up, this is part of a week of announcements happening over on the Mean Girls Broadway Instagram account. Um, But they announced this week that the new Janice Sarkeesian is coming straight from Oz, current Mm -hmm. Broadway alphabet. Lindsay Pierce will be joining the show as Janice. Uh, This feels like a great replacement. She is going in to take over for... Another former Alpha, I believe, Mary Kate Morrissey. Uh, yeah, she. I think she was a standby for yes. for for Alpha uh, at one point. So very cool. I, I think that that role needs a power belter like that. So that should be a very very good addition to the cast. You know how much I love me some mean girls, so maybe I'll find a way to see that tour again at some point. All right, moving on, the Pulitzer Prize finalist show Circle Jerk. Yes, you heard me right. Yes. Pulitzer Prize finalist show Circle Jerk will be coming to New York's Connolly Theater this summer for a combination hybrid in-person and live-streamed production. that will start uh, performances on June 8th with an opening on June 14th and run through June 25th. If you remember, this is a show that was streamed specifically in 2021 and was very highly regarded and obviously so much so that it was named one of the finalists for the 2021 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Um, It is unlike I watched it. It is unlike Anything you can possibly imagine in this new configuration in person audiences will actually get to experience the rollicking joy of the fast paced comedy and their behind the scene antics while streaming audiences can watch and rewatch the multi camera spectacle from anywhere in the world. I it's like you're the live studio audience, which is fun, but if you've seen it also perhaps a little bit terrifying.
1: Um, I just have to say, I did not know that this was coming. This is really exciting news. And I hope that you're able to come because I haven't been able to go inside the Connolly Theater. That's where they're hosting She NYC for this year. Mm -hmm. So I will get to see a show mounted before I have to go
0: in, in July. Before you do your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So this will be really cool. I mean, this... The place looks amazing. And Circle Jerk Jerk was, I mean, literally the discussion for like a month on Twitter was this particular show. So I'm really excited to see it.
0: Yeah. Um, We have some breaking news uh, right now that I'm going to break right here on today on Broadway. The Little Prince will conclude its limited Broadway engagement early on Sunday, May 8th. Um, I did not mention it in the grosses, but the grosses were pretty bad. So... The Little Prince will be vacating the Broadway on uh, Mother's Day. So, sorry, Mom.
1: (gasps) Sorry, Um, Mom, Le Petit Prince.
0: Oh, very well done. Um, Real quick, one more streaming thing. The Red Bull Theater has announced that they will be streaming their critically acclaimed all-female production of Macbeth, adapted and directed by Erica Schmidt from 2019. The virtual admission will be just $25, and it will be available from Monday, May 16th through Sunday, May 29th. And finally here, we are at the feel-good recommendations part. I had a lot of options. I yeah. wanted to mention the fact that they have announced the cast for the upcoming world premiere musical, Great British Bake Off the Musical. That'll be in the show <laughs> notes if you want to figure that out. They also released a new song from the new Frank Wildhorn musical, The Song mm-hmm. of Bernadette. Um, Carrie Menelakis, who I've met and in an interview before, um, sings it. It's very Frank Wildhorn. But there really was only one option in terms of the feel-good recommendations. <laughs> and Grace, I'm, I'm going to need you to do me a favor. Okay. Can you do something for me? Yeah, of course. Before, as you come into the city on Cinco de Mayo, I'm going to need you to stop by yeah. Dwayne Reed or CVS or something and just pick up an okay. extra pack of tissues. Because...
1: Well, Matt, famously I have theater handkerchiefs.
0: Okay. That's great. I will take one of those as well. Uh, sustainable. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, because on Tuesday, we got a look at the behind the scenes rehearsal footage for Encores Into the Woods. And Grace, you and I have not had a chance to talk on air about the departure of Christian Borle and the replacement with Neil Patrick Harris. You and Ashley handled those duties a few weeks ago. <laughs> we talked about it in text and, and on Twitter, I believe. Um, but... N- I. I'm disappointed about Christian. <laughs> but the fact that I watched Heather Headley act her butt off in this like 30 to 45 second clip of her um, singing Stay With Me mm-hmm. was enough to drive me to tears. I wept throughout all of the rehearsal footage. There was one like there was just one little part where they're doing Ever After and they're like moving around in these little pods, you know, in like the choreo. And one of the pods is Sarah Bareilles up front as the baker's wife, flanked by Anne Harada, Jordan Danica, and Anne Gold- Annie Golden. like and It's, that's just it's like actually illegal. The-
1: it's technically it's illegal absurd. what they've done. Um, I will be seeking um, compensation for uh, the absolute turmoil I have been in due to joy. Uh, it. I will. I will say this every day until I'm blue in the face. Famously, famously, my friend Michael Fling, who works at uh, Goodspeed and also used to work at the Muni, um, used to retell me this story over and over about being in the rehearsal room with Heather Headley as the witch oh. when they did Into the Woods, mm-hmm.
0: with and with Rob McClure, yeah,
1: with Rob McClure. like it was a whole thing. And in her performance, they were in rehearsal, and she would she would get ready for that specific scene actually, and she would kind of like muster and she would be like, okay, all right, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she would just go right into it. And literally you could hear a pin drop in the rehearsal room. Like everyone was just so stunned. So the fact that I feel like we got to look at what Michael looked at four years ago or whatever it was, yeah. that was so stunning. And like, I immediately sent it to you and then you were like, oh, I've already watched it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've watched it multiple times. Yeah. Well, when I, one of the times I've interviewed Rob McClure here on Broadway Radio, I think I asked him like, "What is the performance that you have most enjoyed watching yeah. while on stage or on show?" And he said, "Heather Headley is the witch." Yeah, um, and he talked specifically about some of the choices that she makes in the way she approaches a character that no other witch that he'd ever seen. Um, Had ever made. And it's just just like, it's just, she's brilliant. Um, The first, I think the first two or at least two of the first three times that I ever came to New York, I saw Heather Headley led shows. I saw Lion King in 1998 Mm. when I was a junior in high school. And then at some point, yeah, I know.
1: I was in junior (laughs) diapers, not sure
0: as opposed to like senior diapers um but then in college either my second or third time in New York I saw Aida and like Heather Headley is seminal to me and she is so unbelievably talented and I'm so excited that we're going to get the chance to see her on stage uh next Thursday so a week from tomorrow eight days from now oh (laughs) my god so I cannot wait anyway all right that is all that we have for today thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt grace where can people find you
1: you can find me at all hours at it's grace aki on all social media platforms
0: all right everybody have a wonderful wednesday and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow